Passion of Our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Jesus went out with his disciples across the Kidron Valley to a place where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, because Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas brought a detachment of soldiers together with police from the chief priests and the Pharisees, and they came there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that was to happen to him, came forward and asked them, Whom are you looking for? They answered, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus replied, I am. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. And when Jesus said to them, I am, they stepped back and fell to the ground. Again, he asked them, Whom are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am. So if you are looking for me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word that he had spoken. I did not lose a single one of those whom you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it, struck the high priest's slave and cut off his right ear. The slave's name was Malchus. Jesus said to Peter, put your sword back into its sheath. Am I not to drink the cup that the Father has given me? So the soldiers, their officer, and the Jewish police arrested Jesus and bound him. First, they took him to Annas, who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jews that it was better to have one person die for the people. Simon Peter and another disciple followed Jesus. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest, but Peter was standing outside at the gate. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out, spoke to the woman who guarded the gate, and brought Peter in. The woman said to Peter, You are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the slaves and the police had made a charcoal fire because it was cold, and they were standing around it and warming themselves. Peter also was standing with them and warming himself. Then the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. Jesus answered, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all the Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who heard what I said to them. They know what I said. When he had said this, one of the police standing nearby struck Jesus on the face, saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered, If I have spoken wrongly, testify to the wrong. But if I have spoken rightly, why do you strike me? Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. They asked him, you are not also one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the slaves of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, did I not see you in the garden with him? Again, Peter denied it, and at that moment, the cock crowed. Then they took Jesus from Caiaphas to Pilate's headquarters. It was early in the morning. They themselves did not enter the headquarters, so as to avoid ritual defilement and to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? 
They answered, if this man were not a criminal, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said to them, take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. The Jews replied, we are not permitted to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill what Jesus had said when he indicated the kind of death he was to die. Then Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, do you ask this on your own or did others tell you about me? Pilate replied, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate asked him, so you are a king? Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Pilate asked him, what is truth? After he had said this, he went out to the Jews again and told them, I find no case against him. But you have a custom that I release someone for you at Passover. Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? They shouted in reply, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a bandit. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. And the soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they dressed him in a purple robe. They kept coming up to him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and striking him on the face. Pilate went out again and said to them, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no case against him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Here is the man. When the chief priests and the police saw him, they shouted, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him. I find no case against him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law he ought to die, because he has claimed to be the Son of God. Now when Pilate heard this, he was more afraid than ever. He entered his headquarters again and asked Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Pilate therefore said to him, Do you refuse to speak to me? Do you not know that I have power to release you and power to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no power over me unless it had been given you from above. Therefore the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to release him, but the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are no friend of the emperor. Everyone who claims to be a king sets himself against the emperor. When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus outside and sat on the judge's bench at a place called the Stone Pavement, or in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation for the Passover, and it was about noon. He said to the Jews, Here is your king. They cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! Pilate asked them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but the emperor. Then he handed him over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus, and carrying the cross by himself, he went out to what is called the place of the skull, which in Hebrew is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side, with Jesus between them. 
Pilate also had an inscription written and put on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription because the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, in Latin, and in Greek. Then the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but this man said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four parts, one for each soldier. They also took his tunic. Now the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from the top. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, to see who will get it. This was to fulfill what the scripture says. They divided my clothes among themselves, and for my clothing they cast lots. And that is what the soldiers did. Meanwhile, standing near the cross of Jesus were his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing beside her, he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. After this, when Jesus knew that all was now finished, he said, in order to fulfill the scripture, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there, so they put a sponge full of wine on a branch of hyssop and held it to his mouth. Then Jesus received the wine, and he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Since it was the day of preparation, the Jews did not want the bodies left on the cross during the Sabbath, especially because that Sabbath was a day of great solemnity. So they asked Pilate to have the legs of the crucified man broken and the bodies removed. Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead. They did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once blood and water came out. He who saw this has testified, so that you may also, also may believe. His testimony is true, and he knows that he tells the truth. These things occurred so that the scripture might be fulfilled. None of his bones shall be broken. And again, another passage of scripture says, they will look on the one whom they have pierced. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, though a secret one because of his fear of the Jews, asked Pilate to let him take away the body of Jesus. Pilate gave him permission, so he came and removed his body. Nicodemus, who had at first come to Jesus by night, also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, weighing about a hundred pounds. They took the body of Jesus and wrapped it with the spices and linen cloths, according to the burial custom of the Jews. Now there was a garden in the place where he was crucified, and in the garden there was a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. And so, because it was the Jewish day of preparation and the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Brothers and sisters, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, tonight we heard the story of the crowning of our King. It's a strange sort of crowning, to be sure, but it is a crowning, a coronation 
nonetheless. One by one, as the events unfold, Jesus is revealed as king. First in the garden, where he is arrested. Jesus is not seized, but rather presents himself, stepping out from the sheepfold and leaving his disciples safely behind him. And when that detachment of soldiers arrives, possibly numbering in the hundreds, it is not they who initiate the conversation with Jesus, but he who questions them. Whom are you looking for? asks this king. Jesus of Nazareth, they dutifully reply. And when Jesus identifies himself using the divine title, I am, they are bowled over by the sheer power of it. So he asks them again, whom are you looking for? And again, they dutifully reply, Jesus of Nazareth. And even though these soldiers are clearly outmatched, Jesus chooses to go with them anyway. And they escort him to the leaders, to people of increasing importance in an unwitting procession of his royal power. First, they take him to Annas, the father-in-law of the, chief, of the high priest. Then they take him to Caiaphas, the high priest himself. But neither of these men have sufficient authority to deal with Jesus properly, so the soldiers then escort Jesus to Pilate, the most powerful man in Judea. And here, as Jesus, the true king, is interviewed by the representative of the most powerful empire on earth, a most amazing exchange happens. Pilate asks Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus responds, my kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. And Pilate, perhaps unwittingly, bestows upon Jesus the title that truly belongs to him, so you are a king. From this point on, the story is no longer uh, one of religious jealousy, of the temple leadership striking out against one who threatens to undermine their influence, nor is it merely the story of a rabble-rouser being put down to appease the Roman occupation. Instead, it is a story of God's chosen people rejecting the kingdom of God in favor of the kingdom of this world. Pilate, the representative of the world's kingdom, ironically presents Jesus again and again as the king of the Jews. And again and again, Jesus' own people reject their king. Pilate asks them if he should release the king of the Jews, and they reject him, shouting back, Not this man, but Barabbas. So Jesus is flogged and then dressed in a royal robe and crowned with a crown of thorns. And again he is presented to the leaders of the Jews, and again he is rejected. Crucify him, crucify him. So a third time, Pilate presents Jesus to the crowd, Here is your king. And for a third time, the people of God reject him. Away with him, crucify him. And the chief priests declare their allegiance, not to the kingdom of God, but to the kingdom of the world. We have no king but Caesar. 
I don't know about you, but when I hear that confession coming from the mouths of those who should be most dedicated to God and God's kingdom, it gives me chills. For here, the rejection of Jesus the King and of the Father who sent him seems so utterly final. And yet it's a confession that continues to this day. For today also, you and I, God's chosen people, continue to confess by our actions, if not by our words, that we too have no king but Caesar. We focus our money and our time and our energy on our own desires and wants at the expense of our neighbor. We make our decisions based on what will bring us the most power or security or success rather than on what our true king would have us do. We listen not to the ever-present call and promise of Jesus, but to the noise of the distraction and confusion of the world. Again and again we reject our true king. And again and again we show ourselves to be subjects of the kingdom of this world, preferring its measures of success to the freedom and the grace of the kingdom of God. And thus we stand condemned of the rejection of Jesus, guilty of putting to death the Lamb of God, no less than if we had been shouting with the crowds ourselves. So what did this king do about our rejection? Well, he received it. He suffered it. Though Jesus at this moment had every right to reject those who were rejecting him, though he could have at any moment escaped from his bonds, thrown down the soldiers and passed through the crowds, he instead endured at the very worst of what we could do to him, even going so far as death on a cross. And there on the cross, having received our sins into his very body, he gave up his spirit, having declared the completion of his task, it is finished. This, as strange as it seems, is the victory of our king who did all of this in order to overcome our rejection of him with his unrelenting acceptance of us. By going willingly to his death on the cross, by bringing together in himself our sin and his mercy, Jesus Christ forever divided creation into old and new, the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of God, so that now, as we sit here tonight in the presence of our crucified King, we find ourselves divided so that we are no longer one but two. No longer are we one undivided person, but two persons. The one who rejected and continues to reject Jesus the King and the other who is born anew through the mercy of this Savior. So, brothers and sisters, when by your actions you confess you have no king but Caesar, it is no longer true. 
for another king has made you his own. And this king, Jesus Christ, has taken your worst and given you his best, that you may serve him in righteousness, innocence, and blessedness forever. Amen.